like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke. And with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are here to finish our biopic month of July 2021 with uh, Corey's pick of I'm Not There from 2007. Um, And what a fitting one to end with because it kind of breaks all traditions of the biopic genre, um, which I didn't know when we went into it. So that was exciting for me, who is a film nerd who loves to study film and all the different variations of it and uh, get into those little nitty gritty details. So we'll be getting into that review of I'm Not There from 2007 momentarily. But before we do that, we like to catch up with how things have been since the last time we recorded and what we've been watching since that last time. So Corey, how you doing? I'm fine. Ready for the weekend. Are you working for the weekend? Uh, Yeah, that's what I feel like. I mean, aren't all adults? Yeah, pretty much. You know, just, it's trying to get you to sing the song. I don't think anybody wants to hear that. Um, <laughs> um I feel like a jerk even saying that because some people don't get weekends off, but you know what I mean. Mm. That is true. I mean, I, but they get hopefully they get days off. Like maybe that's not you know Saturday and Sunday, but hopefully they get like maybe even consecutive days off. I didn't until I came to my current job. It was like, oh, here's a. Here's a Monday and here's a Thursday. Yeah, I mean my retail job, it was it was stuff like that all the time, but you know. We we've been there, folks. We we just happen to have gotten different jobs now. But um we are uh overall um how is uh what's been going on since the last time we recorded? Anything fun? Uh, you know, um I I'm trying to branch out and I I'm not a creative person. Okay. I'm just, I'm just not. I feel like you probably know that because you've known me for 500 years. We're vampires. I mean, vampires are fun. Vampires. Um, but I've been trying to breach out and I find want to find like some kind of artistic something that I will enjoy and can kind of dive into. I've been interested in pottery for a long time, but I haven't been able to take a class yet. But I was supposed to take like a figure painting class on Thursday and only my friend and I signed up. So it got canceled because obviously it needs to be worth the time for the artist and the model. And I was looking forward to that, guys. But I'm just trying to branch out. I like ordered a a um, weaving kit from... Oh a fiber artist that I really love a lot. Um, and I ordered her ebook and it has videos because I learned better that way. So I should be getting that soon. I'm really excited, but I'm just trying to like branch out and find, you know what I mean? Like find what's good for me. I just picture myself sitting on my floor, weaving, listening to a record <laughs> or something. My cat's like coming and getting in my face. I just, yeah. So that's that's it i'm just trying to find things well that's that's good though it's um there are times where i feel like i should be doing more of the things that i have done in the past and i like don't do them because if you know like i i play guitar but i haven't played guitar in probably a good year now and um and before that was probably a year then too you know it's it's something i i can do but i don't do very often and uh there are times where i just kind of sit and like stare and I'm like, I really should do something, but like, I right? just feel overwhelmed by everything. So yeah, I get it. Um, it's very much like office space. And he's like, I just stare at my desk, but it looks like I'm doing something. It's like, um, but I, I went to, um, I actually was having that kind of a day today. Cause I go back to work on Monday, like, and, um, I just was feeling like I wanted to do so many things that, and then like, there were some things that were, I, I was going to go to a movie as I try to do on Fridays, uh, in the afternoon. Uh, when I'm off so that I can not worry about weekend traffic and stuff and um, weekend movie traffic. And there was something I thought I was going to have to do that was going to be in the way of it. So I, I was waiting. And then also, so the movie that we're doing for bloody awesome this week is jungle cruise, which is the big new release with Emily Blunt and the rock. Well, I thought Kathy might want to see it too. Right. So 
yesterday I asked her, I was like, do you want to go see the movie? And then I can wait and see it on Saturday or Sunday when she is now off. Or if you don't want to see it, I can go Friday. And the answer I got was, I might want to see it, which is the most stressful answer I could have received because it didn't let me make my, like, I didn't go today, even though my instinct is I should go because if she's not committing to going on Saturday or Sunday right now, and she then doesn't want to see it, I will have to like go without her. And then I'll feel bad because she's home and I've gone off to see a movie while she's just chilling at home. You know what I'm saying? Like, if we're together, you're seeing the movie cool because I don't you're feel guilty about it. Right. But now I'm going to feel obligated to do something with her. And if that something isn't the movie, I still have to see that movie before the podcast. And so like, there's this weird now, like I'm at odds with myself where if I, had, if she had said, I don't want to see it, I could have already saw it. And, or again, if at least I knew we were definitely going to, so I'm very, I've been stressed out about it all day. I'm not even, it's stupid, but like, I can't yeah, like I the anxiety like of the whole thing. Um, and yeah, but without Taylor knowing it, um, she, she actively was like, you want to like play cards or something? So we, we played a couple of board games and while nice. we were playing games, we were talking about, um, you know, her future cause she's a senior and like college and we are, we've been, I think COVID really messed up her junior year. Uh, and we, we didn't do the SAT yet. We didn't do ACT yet, which she should have already taken, but just with COVID going on, it just became like, it's just not the right time. Like mentally, none of us were in the right state to like organize it or actually she wasn't in a place where she was really wanting to take a challenging test kind of thing. Um, so we, she was like, well, I wonder if the used bookstore would have like the, the prep books. And I'm like, well, yeah, we don't really need the books, I guess at this point, but sure we can go look. Uh, and it like, we haven't been to this. They have, we have a really nice used bookstore in our area. Uh, and they had opened a second location that's a little closer to our house, which we had not been to yet. And it's also going to be the only location in two weeks. Like they're they're closing the one that was farther away from us, which isn't far, but farther away. Um, and so we went up there today, and uh, I hadn't seen uh, the owner for a while. Um, but he, we know he, we know a lot of the same people because he used to run like a a, a weekend thing for like the youth to hang out. And so he had a lot of my students that would come hang out at this, you know, safe, like kind of like a teenage club almost like they had like pool tables and like live music and stuff, but it was geared towards like high school age kids. And it was like a safe space. They couldn't leave the area kind of thing. And um, so he knew, he knew about me through all these kids, but he never met me and vice versa. Like I'd always heard about him, but never met until he opened the bookstore. And then we like met for the first time. It was this very funny, like meeting of uh, like legends kind of thing. Uh, very local legends, but he was like, I'm like, I'm like, Hey, you're so-and-so he's like, Hey, you're Mr. Birkenfield. I'm like, yes, uh, I am. It's nice to finally meet you. He's like, right. Um, but so today I, we walked in and he's like, I thought it was y'all. Taylor was also one of the kids that used to go to the club when she was like in middle school. Um, so like he knows her from that too, but, uh, he hadn't seen either of us for probably like two years. And, um, when we were walked in, he's like, I thought it was you guys, but Taylor's all grown up and you you're skinny. And I was just like, I loved hearing that and thank you. <laughs> but um, I end up buying uh, three books that are inspired by movies we've watched this month. I bought um, Into the Wild. I bought uh, In Cold Blood, which is the book Capote is writing in the film Capote that we just watched uh, on our last episode. And then I had watched To Kill a Mockingbird because the, uh, Harper Lee is a character in Capote. Um, I guess character is wrong, but she was involved in that whole thing. Um, so I bought to kill a mockingbird today. Um, and then Taylor who has her own money cause she's been working for over a year now. Um, she bought, uh, three of the game of Thrones books because she's watched game of Thrones and is, I guess now interested in what, what reading the books. And uh, then she was buying crazy rich Asians, um, because she really liked the movie. And, uh, when she goes to check out, cause like it's, it's a pr pretty good used bookstore. Like the, the paperbacks are a buck uh, each for like the, the general paperbacks. And then for like, um, not as easy to find they, they're like three or four bucks. And, uh, he had like, I guess he's got a lot of copies of crazy rich Asians, like the trilogy of books. 
So when she went up to buy Just Crazy Rich Asians, he's like, go grab the other two. I'll throw them in for you. Like, so he just gave her the other two books. And they're, like, nice. so nice. Yeah, he's he's a really, really cool guy. Um, very good for our community. And it's great. Um, it's I, I always... I always spend money when I go into the bookstore and I don't mind spending money on, on books. I just know I'm not going to read them. Like I, I instantly, I'm like, I know I want to read these, but I also know me and they'll never be read. <laughs> like they're going to sit. I'm just a slow reader. So like I tried like going to my local library and stuff. And also I have to be in the mood to read certain things. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So just because I go check it out, I I don't know. I'm not gonna. Yeah. That's also, cool I, though. Yeah, and I do have a very bad habit of only buying. Actually, between Taylor and I, the the several books that we got, I think we got seven, no, eight books. Um, all of them were from a a movie or TV show that we've watched. Like, it's, like we can't just buy a book. It's got to be something we've already seen. Now we just want details of you know. I like the comparison too, though. Yes, I do too. I, I'm very much, that's how my brain works anyways. I am a very big fan of like comparing similar or related and things. Also, I watched True Blood before I started reading the books and I read like a lot of the books, seven or eight or nine of them. And guys, I wouldn't have been able, I wouldn't have known how half of the places or names in those books were pronounced if I didn't mm. watch the show first. I started reading the first Game of Thrones book a while ago, like right after I watched the first season, I think. Um, and I was like immediately like, wow. I missed so much content because I could not hear them or get past their accents. That was like reading the book. I was like, well, that's how you say that person's name. Or like, that's, you know, like I was wondering what they were talking about there. I didn't catch any of that. Um, So I definitely found like the books would have been helpful. I just, they're, they're also really, they're long. Yeah. So I never read those either, but um, which I own digitally, never going to read them all. Um, I own like the first, it's like the first four or five. I didn't, keep up with it but i bought like a box set online at some point but nevertheless i also have it made it through like two chapters of that and was just like nah i'm good it's so long it's so long right it's a little bit like daunting it's like how am i ever gonna finish this and i'm a slow reader and i only read before bed yeah i do like audiobooks but i don't like spending money on audiobooks so like currently i don't have a, a easy access without spending out like I know it's like 15 bucks a month for Audible, but it's only one book. So it's like, well, what happens when you finish the book? Because I'm going to finish it before the month is over. I just like podcasts. Because that's, oh, speaking of, um, I felt like this one's appropriate. I haven't listened to it yet, so I don't know if it's any good. But it's, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Tig Notaro. Um, she's a, a stand-up comedian who I find very, very funny. And uh, she's doing a podcast. Apparently, there are 41 episodes in, but I literally just learned of its existence today from an ad from another podcast. Um, but uh, they, they it's called True Story, a documentary podcast, and they do documentaries only um, for each of their episodes. And so I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So I'm, I downloaded the episode about Wiener because I that documentary is great. Um, and they have one on Three Identical Strangers, which I'm going to probably listen to. I, I'm hoping to kind of get into this. I, I've... I, one of my main podcasts I've been listening to, I've caught up with all the episodes now. Um, so now I just have to wait every two weeks to get a new one. It's a and d podcast, and it makes me sad because I, I got it was I, you get like spoiled because I started like with there were like 60 episodes when I started listening. And so I had 60 episodes to listen to in like two months. I think I started right at the beginning of summer. Um, and now I'm caught up and now I'm sad because like, you know, that was it became my workout thing. It's not. It's not a great idea to listen to comedy podcasts while you're working out because people think you're crazy when you're laughing while like lifting weights, but it's also probably not safe. Uh, okay, that's a concern. But yeah, um, it's it's fun. I, I don't know. I prefer podcasts to music even with working out now. But um, yeah, I guess uh, we should get into what we've been watching. That was just a lot of talk. What have you been watching since the last time we recorded? god not a lot not a lot the office i was so i was i've been having rough days and you know like i was just sitting on my couch i love working from home guys it is everything my little introverted heart ever wanted it's everything i ever wanted just sitting on my couch eating my lunch with my cats and i live in a world that i can do that and i can watch the office and i can laugh you know what I mean? 
Like, yeah, I was just, I was feeling very grateful. How many times have I watched The Office? Five million times. It's fine. I, it's just so funny. And so I've been watching that. And then, um, guys, they released season 27 of The Walking Dead. And I just can't stop myself. I just can't stop. So I've been watching that. I also like to watch shows because I don't feel like if I miss something, it's as detrimental. It it doesn't, I feel like it doesn't ruin it as much as if I'm watching a movie. You know? Yeah. So that's what, I'm really glad that they're ending it soon though, because it's like you just get involved and you, they give you like just enough things that are like still like loosened or where did this person go that I just keep watching even. <sighs> so anyway, that, that's all, that's all I have. Well, I've watched a, a bit more, um, not just movies. Uh, I also, a couple of shows I have caught up. Uh, I actually am one episode now behind on Dave, but I can't mm-hmm. recommend Dave enough on Hulu slash FX. Um, it is about the rapper, little Dicky, but it's actually about his real persona, Dave like who he actually is but while being little dicky it is one of the most ridiculously offensive comedic shows that exists while also being surprisingly emotionally mature like it is like there will be a horrendously awkward like penis joke or fart joke or something like that followed by adult people taking responsibility for their behavior and apologizing when they've done something wrong and yet building some anxiety, building com- comedy, building characters. And it's, it's, it's so brilliant of a show. Like there's two shows in the last two years that I just have been completely blown away by. And it is Dave and Ted Lasso. To me, <clears throat> there is not a better, exp- like it's funny, but um, like just, it's so emotionally healthy, mentally healthy. Like the way they uh, t- approach mental health on, on Dave is so crazy it's it's again it's hard to recommend like it's easier to recommend ted lasso to anybody because it's it's also pretty tame as a show like it's 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 very accessible dave is not for everybody because dave is very raunchy at times it is a hip-hop world so there's going to be you know inappropriate content but it is fx which also the fx pushes boundaries for sure um there are two episodes that are I was so uncomfortable. Like if anyone saw what I was watching, I would be devastated because <laughs> no. it's so like awkward, but, um, but I, I just can't stress enough how good those shows are, are, but Dave, I I've been watching, trying to keep up with season two. It's, it's been a really good season. I, I'm not sure where it's going to go. Um, and, uh, but I, I am totally on board with that show. And then, uh, one of the podcasts I listen to is uh, now called The Filmcast. Um, they were the Slash Filmcast for a long time. They've just recently rebranded. Um, and they brought up a show I did not know existed, Corey. I think you might like this show. And it's only six episodes. It's only one season. Um, oh. But uh, I am a big fan of the IT crowd in large part because of Richard Ayoade. Um, and also, uh, I love Chris O'Dowd. But that that show is so freaking great. And uh, in that show, I think in season two of IT Crowd, uh, Matt Barry was introduced to me and Matt Barry is hilarious. Um, he's in tons of stuff, but uh, I love him in the IT crowd. I currently love him on the TV series, what we do in the shadows, um, which I adore that series. And if you haven't watched that, Corey, I think you would also love that show. Um, it's so freaking funny. And Matt Barry is the, a large part of why I think this show works so well. Um, but uh, I hear that this this show exists called Garth uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, um, that stars Matt Berry, Richard Ayoade, and a couple other people. And I'm sure I'm saying it's I, his name his last name wrong. But um, the premise of this show it's like a parody show of like a Alfred Hitchcock presents or like Twilight Zone type like um, series mm-hmm. where there's it's it's a very meta show because you are seeing a quote-unquote, a fictional uh, horror author named Garth Marenghi, and he has made a TV series called The Dark Place that he is presenting to us. But then there's, like, director commentary that they will cut to, which is him talking about it. But it's, again, the actor's name is Matthew Holness, who's playing Garth Marenghi. And 
he uh it's he's basically like a Stephen King parody. Like it's like this eighties horror, but it's stupid comedy. It's kind of like making fun of how bad that but those horror anthology stuff was. Like not the good ones, but like the bad ones. It's it's so good. Uh, again, there's only six episodes, so it's not like something. It's not a long term commitment, but it feels very. I like the way it's presented. Is that like this show was canceled when it was first made, and they said it was too risky for TV. But now I'm bringing it to you to finally watch, and it kind of fits because it's like, well, it makes sense that there's only six episodes because they canceled it. So it's like it kind of just self-contained works in and of itself, its own story. Um, so I don't know if like episode six, I'm only four episodes in, so I have two more to go. I don't know if episode six will will like give closure to the whole premise or if it's just going to end abruptly. But if it does end abruptly, it kind of makes sense to the whole story of the show anyway. So um, really, it's on uh, Amazon Prime right now to, to stream. And um, uh, I've again, I've, I've just started watching it the other day. I've had a lot of fun watching it. I'm throwing it on in the background. But Matt Berry is always hilarious. And Richard Ayoade is just so freaking funny. Um, again, if you haven't seen the IT crowd, put that on your list. It is a must watch. It show is so funny. Um like a masterclass in, in so many different ways. But um, those, those are the TV shows I've been watching. Let's get through the movies. Um, I watched Dark Star, which is uh, John Carpenter's first film. Uh, I had to rent it on. Yeah, I had. A, uh, so Blank Check podcast starting next week. We'll be doing all of John Carpenter's movies. Um, and so I have a lot to catch up on. Uh, some we you have bought uh, for us that I've not watched like Body Bags is on. I have to watch at some point. Um, but Dark Star. Oh, I love that uh, one. His first um, body bags or Dark Star. Uh, body bags. Ah, um, so I I rented Dark Star on uh, um, Canopy, uh, and it's it's very very low budget, but it's very much John Carpenter's kind of comedic sci fi sensibilities play mm, into yes. it. Um, there's this really funny monster design that I won't get into the details, but it's like you could tell it's low budget, but it, it still works. Cause it's still Carpenter takes it seriously, but it's very funny. Um, I finally watched uh, the Audrey Hepburn film, wait until dark, which Matt had been recommending to me for a while. It's where she plays a blind woman and it's like a horror vibe, but very much. Uh, it's so good. Alan Arkin is in it and um, he's, he's the bad guy and it's so great. What is it? Was he 12? No, no, but he is, uh, he's very young. Um, uh, I went and saw Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. It's, it's fine. Um, bec- uh, I watched David Lowry's Pete, Pete's Dragon from 2016, uh, which is on Disney Plus. Uh, one, I want to say, I think it's Bryce Dallas Howard's, like, best performance. Like, I really like her in that movie a lot. I don't always find her to be compelling, and I really thought she did a great job in that. Uh, there's Carl Urban's also in it, who I just, I don't think gets enough work. I love Carl Urban in everything. I don't think I've ever seen him in a movie or a show and not been at least happy with him. Even if I don't like the stuff around him, I tend to enjoy his performance. Um, it's, uh, uh, such a, I was so surprised with how much I enjoyed Pete's Dragon. Um, and it's because of Lowry. Lowry's just got this honesty about his filmmaking that I just adore. Um, uh, finally, a big another big check off of my uh, gap list. I watched Rebel Without a Cause, uh, the James Dean iconic film. Um, it's one of those movies where I knew so much about it through uh, osmosis, I guess you could say. It, you know, it's referenced in a lot of other movies. And um, what really kicked for me was in La La Land. There's a lot that ties to Rebel Without a Cause. And some of it, I never got how much was in La La Land. So I was like, oh, well, now I, I, I like love La La Land even more because I understand all the references that are made about it. Um, and then last night uh, with a group of friends, went and saw The Green Knight at my local theater, the new David Lowry film. What? You did get it. Yes, we did. Uh, in our local theater. I was very excited. Um, I... Uh, it is. I don't think it's the movie that most people are expecting it to be um, from the trailer, and I think that some people will not like it because of that. For us, it's it's brilliant. Um, I mean, it is a it's a masterpiece of a film. Um, it will not work for everybody. I don't think, at least, because it is not 
It's not an action movie. Um, it's trippy. Uh, it does some very interesting things, but man, the the filmmaking is just so present, and the the subject matter is just so so thought provoking. Um, I'm still processing. I actually kind of want to go see it again. Um, I don't know if I'll have time uh, with work coming back, but man, um, it was an experience uh, to say the least. I have tickets for tomorrow. Oh, I am excited to hear your thoughts. Um, so far, everyone that I know who's seen it has been very, very happy. And the the people, the friends that I went with, um, I wasn't sure. Like they, I don't know. Like we haven't, we've never watched a movie together before. Um, we've talked about movies, obviously, because I only pretty much talk about movies. Uh, or Magic, um, The Gathering, not. No magic. Um, but, um, so, uh, I wasn't sure, like, if it would be like for the at the like throughout the film, I'm like, I wonder if they like this, like, because I'm enjoying it, but I'm like, this movie is definitely not what I think we were expecting from the trailer, and I wasn't sure if it was like going to be off putting for them or what. And then it ended, and they were no, they were totally into it. I was like, oh, great, okay, cool. And we had. Uh, one of my favorite things about seeing a movie with people in person is the after conversation in the parking lot. You know, you walk out of the parking lot and you just stand there and talk for, four for hours. way too long. Yeah, it, it goes way too long. But um, and yeah, so uh, definitely that that's what I've been watching. Um, I, I actually I watched an hour of uh, The World's End, the Edgar Wright film. That is, uh, I love the entire trilogy that film for some reason just really clicks with me and I love everything about it. So I, I needed a feel good movie tonight. Um, and so I threw that on while I was waiting, uh, to record basically, but I only watched like the first hour and then I'm recording. So I stopped. I'm glad that you, I probably would want to see green Knight twice anyways, because big fan over here, but, um, not of that movie, but of the director. So, I, Bill keeps like popping in with these surprises like oh yeah I want to see that <laughs> I saw the trailer so I'm probably going to see it a second time too so <laughs> you said that. yeah I'm I'm curious I hope you like it uh, I am curious to hear your thoughts once you have seen it but um and then I feel so bad for Matt who I know desperately wants to see it but uh they pulled the theatrical release for uh what overseas um and because I, I a streaming service bought the rights to it, so he has to wait for the streaming service to release it. Um, yeah, he's not thrilled about it because um, it was on the slate, and then they pulled it like a, like a week ago. They pulled it off. Um, it's so weird how the, that happens with us uh, for BAMP because we have to like we're always having to coordinate. Is this movie out for you yet? And like um, we're doing Jungle Cruise because it's out for both of us this week, but. Um, Suicide Squad's also out for him this week, which isn't out for us until next week. So, like, we had a compromise, and we're doing that the following episode. But, um, like, he'll have already seen Suicide Squad like a week before I see it. Uh, and it's just it's it's funny that we have to always do that because of the the different um countries. Because sometimes a movie will come out way earlier for us than them, and vice versa. And it's just you, you never know. Um. And then other times it's the same day, same, you know, everywhere, everywhere gets it at the exact same time. But all right, folks, that's it's time to get into the movie of the week. I'm not there. 2007 has a 6.9 IMDb user rating. Nice. Uh, 73 Metascore. It is a biopic about Bob Dylan and the IMDb plot synopsis reads ruminations on the life of Bob Dylan where six characters embody a different aspect of the musician's life and work. And that is a key there. None of the people in this movie play Bob Dylan. They play versions of him and the characters weave together to create the tapestry that is Bob Dylan's life. Apparently I knew so little about Bob Dylan. I was thrown for a minute with this, this setup because I was like, wait, what now? I thought this was a Bob Dylan biopic. Um, and I know so little about him. I only really know one of the of the six strands uh, about his life. Like, I only really know about his music. I didn't know about a lot of the other legends about who he was because it's never really interested me. Um, no offense to him. But uh, director Todd Haynes, we mentioned on our last episode, um, he's done Moneyball and a few other biopics. Um, I think Foxcatcher was one. 
this movie has some big actors um, in it with Christian Bale, Kate Blanchett, Heath Ledger, uh, Ben Wishaw, Richard Gere, um, Marcus Carl Franklin, who doesn't seem to have done too much outside of this. Um, I, I think he's in a couple other movies, but mostly, oh, he's in Be Kind Rewind, which I'm a big fan of, but yeah, he hasn't done anything since 2015 on his acting credits, but um, yeah, I mean, which he probably just opted to not be an actor. Um, Chris Christopherson is also the narrator of the movie, which uh, I was, you know, he's got that kind of recognizable voice. Um, I don't know if there's anyone else famous in this, but those six are pretty huge. And uh, Corey picked this. Um, what was it about this movie that uh, drew you to it? Was it just the, the cast? Yeah, I wanted to see it since it came out. I've owned it since we worked at that little music store. Hmm. <laughs> so, wow, I didn't know that. Like 20 years ago. Yeah, I bought a used copy that someone brought in. It is. She's not exaggerating completely. It is 10 years ago at least. Well, I've uh, I think lived- 11. I've lived here for 12 years. I left the music store in 2010. And you left maybe six months before I left, I think. So, yeah. yeah. T- 2009. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, it's easy for me because of that. that when Because I, I was between schools when I worked at FYE. So, it's easy for me to kind of keep track of. But um, Now, what, what about Bob Dylan? Are you a big fan of his music? Oh my god, no. I don't know a lot about him. I know I know like two things about him. I mean, I've heard some of his music, of course. Oh, yes. You know, but and I've liked what I've heard, but So, hot take for a second. Oh god. When I listen to after watching as as happens when I watch a movie about a musician, I tend to want to listen to their music. Mm-hmm. And I would say most of the time I don't enjoy the music as much as I did while I was watching the thing about them. Like I love it's like the, such an experience. So the best example is Edgar Wright's documentary of the sparks where I really liked the music when I was watching the movie and I just, I can't get into their music outside of it. Like I I've tried a couple times. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I loved it watching the movie. But don't need to listen to it. The one exception to that recently was the talking heads. Like I, I watched the stop making sense and I love their music i can listen to their music um but so i i threw on like a playlist uh it was on youtube music they have a playlist that is um presenting bob dylan it's like just i guess like all of his big iconic songs what i didn't realize was how many of his songs i've heard other people do and not realize they were bob dylan songs but what i also realized is i don't like his singing like at all like there's like maybe one song that where he's performing where i'm like i like this most of the time, I'm like, yeah, it just sounds like you're talking. Like, you've got these iconic, li- like, lyrics, but I don't think you sound good. Like, it sounds boring in a lot of cases. Like, Knocking on Heaven Door is such a great song when Guns N' Roses does it or when Sheryl Crow did it. But Bob Dylan's version is like, ugh, can you stop saying Knocking on Heaven's Door, please? Like, obviously, I am, that's one opinion. He's he's an iconic musician. Obviously, he had his fan Spans, base. generations, man. Right, but, and obviously, I think he's a good songwriter, assuming he actually wrote all those songs, but, um, because, again, I, I know a lot of them, and I, I didn't make it very far into the playlist, to be fair, I think I made it, like, ten songs in, and there was a lot, it was a really big playlist. Oh, I bet. Um, but, so, I, I knew less than you, I think, going into this, like, I knew very, very little, but, uh, I mean... so what... Go ahead. What, what what were your thoughts on the doc on the uh, biopic? Not a documentary, biopic. So I feel like people like us. <laughs> I feel like that sounds so whatever off putting, but if you go into this not as a fan, as a person without a lot of knowledge, it can be very hard to follow. Yeah. Do I think it's a beautiful? Do I think it's beautiful? Yeah. Like the black and white scenes are, there are so many that are just so amazing. The cast is amazing. Kate Planchett. I mean, newsflash. She's amazing in this movie. Like I couldn't not watch her. You know, like I thought it was very interesting. I go down a Wikipedia black hole sometimes. Yes. Mm -hmm. All the time. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm a fan of Andy Warhol. I don't know everything about him, but I like went off into this Andy Warhol, Eddie Sedgwick, uh, black hole. I was just reading articles and, you know, reading all this stuff and stuff, stuff and stuff. But I think it was interesting seeing some of those scenes in here because that had to have been Andy Warhol's, you know, factory that we're seeing the movies on the wall and stuff. I mean, maybe not, but you know, I just seeing some of those cool things. Um, I also think that I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it, but I do think it was hard to follow, but I feel like something like this would be so cool for like a longtime fan. That's like really into his history and is different. Like, would it be eras? What what is that? Well, it's not just eras though, because some of them are representations of like his inspiration. Like Richard Gere's character is Billy the. Oh, I didn't say Richard Gere when I was listening to all the people. Oh, I thought Richard... you did. Maybe. You oh, did. I did. I'm sorry. Totally did. Um, Richard Gere is Billy the Kid. Essentially, he's just called Billy. But apparently, Bob Dylan was heavily inspired by Billy the Kid. Um, was really into Billy the Kid, and so I guess he wrote songs about Billy the Kid as well. And like, I think he's in a western himself, I believe, or something like that. Like, I did, I I knew See, none I of didn't this before know... the movie. I've I've done some reading. He was an actor. Bob Dylan. Yeah, I think there was a push for like. There's still a push. Anytime an artist hits a certain level, and I'm saying artist, not as a musician, just any type of artist hits a certain level of popularity, they try to make them a crossover success. Um, like LeBron James right now, if you want to call him an artist, a basketball player, maybe artist. Uh, but uh, again, um, Ice Cube, uh, Ice T, you know, like there's this, they hit a level where they're so iconic that they can cross over. Mitch Hedberg actually had a really funny bit about this in his standup. He's like, if you're good at what you do, um, they'll ask you, can you write a show? And it's like, but I'm, I'm a comedian. It's like, yeah. So can you write a movie? And he's like, but I'm a comedian. You know, like this is not his delivery money. I'm just, that's the point he's making. Um, and that's, you know, uh, I think more than likely probably what happened because the Beatles too, they have hard days night and they have, you know, like that was a, a push, right? Like you're so popular. We can money, put you money, in other money. things. Exactly. New kids on the block. Look at all their merchandise. Oh that my they had God. In the 80s. Comforters, dolls, everything. Yep. Word. But sorry, sorry, go ahead. You were still uh, saying about Dylan and the, and Billy, the kid, I think. No, I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm well, good. um, I, I knew nothing. So I was confused as well. Um, because I also went into this expecting like all six to be playing Bob Dylan and none of them are playing Bob Dylan. Exactly. Um, I would say Kate Blanchett's character was the one that looked the most like the Bob Dylan that I think of when I think of Bob Dylan. Um, and, uh, Heath Ledger's Bob Dylan's character, Robbie is like more of like the personal side of his life like his wife and kid which i knew nothing about except that jacob dylan is the singer of the wallflowers it's the only thing i know things i know about him (laughs) right same same and um that's growing up in the 90s and you were like a wallflowers fan and people are like he's bob dylan's son yeah Yeah, and they're like who's bob dylan they're like what i'm like i don't know who that is um but and then christian bale's playing the the art like the musician like the artist side of him and Kate Blanchett's more of like the persona of Bob Dylan, like that, this, you know, beatnik type. That's not even the right word, but like the folk, like the whole postmodern folk singer thing, the the vibe I get from Inside Lumen Davis. Right. Right. But like it is after you went electric. But to me, like the people that Lulin Davis hates is who Bob Dylan's like <laughs> Jude is. Right. Like that's the vibe. Like he's the sellout I, guy, you know? Yeah. I couldn't help but think about Inside Lewin Davis like the whole time I was watching this either. So I almost threw that on tonight instead of The World's End because that movie is also like a comfort movie for me. If you're new here, we are both very big fans, and that's my favorite film by the Coen Brothers. Uh, it has become mine as well over time. Um, I I just absolutely love that movie, uh, and the more I watch it, the more I love it. And Oscar Isaac is amazing, amazing. in it, and JT. Uh, I was about to say the 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 JT Adam Driver and Oscar Isaac 
performance in the studio is one of my favorite things ever. It's so, so funny. And then him laughing at it, like, who wrote this? And Justin Timberlake's like, I did. And you're like, oh, snap. Um, anywho, uh, that's not what we're talking about right now. But um, so what I really love about this movie, though, is what the movie does for the genre of biopic. And I found this really great um, essay, which I will include in the show notes, uh, written by David Hanley, who I know nothing about. I don't know if he's somebody I should know, but he definitely, uh, he's on a website called Offscreen. And his breakdown of this movie is not only well-cited, like he has his work cited page at the bottom of this. So it's like a legit essay, but um, he breaks down how this is maybe the the first postmodern biopic as far as it's applying the postmodern um elements to this film including like pastiche and the references that he uses for each this dude breaks down the film references that he makes in this movie that not only are they like inspiration for a lot of filmmakers i mean like godard is always going to be referenced but how it plays into the the moment that he's showing if you if you'll note each of those six characters also has a distinct look to their scenes right like um Mm -hmm. and this essay breaks that down and breaks down like um so much of like what it's doing and also because a traditional biopic is you know um a very straightforward paint by numbers like this is when you we might see them from birth but usually we we hit a significant moment of their youth right like their father leaving them or their mom dying suddenly or something like that right like there's this traumatic moment that sets them on a path right this is the thing that they're going to overcome and why their story is so inspirational and then we get like we get you know vignettes or a series of their their moments in their life eventually usually if it's a tragic story we get to that tragic point or we get to the big highlight of their life that everyone is up to and then we get some you know deviations of that sometimes they're very narrow in the scope we're only with them for like capote we're only with him for two years well, I guess it's like four years that he's writing the book, but that's the only time we're with him. We don't really know. We only learn about his youth through his stories. We don't actually see them. We don't travel back with him. Um, my One of my favorite kind of non-traditional biopics is Steve Jobs that Danny Boyle directed, where <laughs> you see three very specific moments in Steve Jobs' life that are decades apart, or at least several years apart. And, um, you learn so much about him in the behavior that he exhibits in these very dialogue heavy uh, scenes, which is written by um, the, oh, I would know his name any other time. Um, Big writer did West wing and uh, directed Molly's game. Why can't I think of his name? Um, brains. Uh, but nevertheless, those, those non-traditional biopics are really cool and they're more popular, but this essay basically claims that this one might be the first and it is, so unique because it's not about Bob Dylan exactly, but it is, but it's done in such a unique and, and thought provoking way that it's more about the legend of Bob Dylan than it is about who Bob Dylan was. It references things. It pulls things in from the, the, the myths and the stories and the, the um, real documentaries that have been made about him are referenced and pulled into this as well. And it's, I enjoyed watching it, but did feel confused. And then everything I've read about it since I've watched it has only made me realize how important of a film I'm not there is. And I didn't even know about this movie really. Like I'd heard about it. Never. It was not on my radar. You brought it uh, up to me. And now I'm like, this movie should be seen as a film study, if nothing else, because it is so important to the art form. It's, it's moving the genre in a different direction. It is, um, you get a, a I mean, the, I haven't talked about the performances. I mean, Kate Blanchett is always great, but my God, is she amazing in this movie? Um, I like, I don't think there's a bad performance in this film from the, the cast. Yeah, I, I was very impressed. And I'm a big Ledger fan. I'm a big Christian Bale fan. Um, I, I, I liked Richard Gere and, and a lot <laughs> of stuff. I had kind of forgotten about him until watching this. I'm like, yeah, I he's really good when he's in the right role. Like he's a very you know, charismatic actor who I, I get into and Ben Wishaw, who I think um, just, he's always really, really good. And here he's got the, the most challenging kind of role. Cause he's just talking to like people who are interviewing him. Like he doesn't get to do anything. Like the other ones are like moving in scenes and stuff. Yeah. He's just sitting, but he's still terrific. Um, I, 
I was really impressed with this movie and uh I think it's it's an important one. I think of all the biopics that we did man, I don't know cuz Bronson's also really unique and I think Bronson's worth watching, but I think I'm not there does so much for the genre and to the potential of how you can approach doing a biopic, but also because there's so much film history embedded into this movie that's not about film, that's not about movie making, yet it is because he he used period specific and stylistic elements of classic cinema to help tell a story about Bob Dylan that was being mythologized. I mean, it's just it's so impressive. I, I'm just I want to watch it again. Um, not again. I I liked it. But I definitely am like, I don't care about Bob Dylan. But now that I've like read all this stuff, I'm just like, I, I need to watch several of these movies that I haven't seen and then rewatch this movie to kind of like get all the different connections. Because I, I do, that's again, we, we kind of alluded to this earlier, but that's how my brain works. I love seeing the patterns emerge. Um, and uh, because I've seen so many movies, a lot of times I can see that. But there's a lot on this list that have been on my radar. Um, that I've been meaning to get to. And I just haven't yet. Like I've never seen eight and a half. That's a big movie that I've been meaning to watch. I didn't know about bound for glory, but bound for glory is a documentary about Woody, um, Guthrie, uh, who was a big inspiration to Bob Dylan. And also the name of the character, the youngest character in this movie is Woody is inspiration by Woody Guthrie. Um, and, uh, a lot of his sequences match the bound for glory. Like it's just, there's so many little things. I'm just so, so intrigued by all of this um the sad thing is i know me this will get pushed aside because of another thing i will notice and want to look at and i won't get to all of it right away but um i i'm still like i when i find a movie like this that feels so important and yet i had not been i talk about movies so much that the fact that this movie had not been pushed in front of me by somebody else at some point makes me like feel like I have to talk about it to everybody now because I feel like no one knows about this movie. <laughs> Obviously people have seen it, but I still feel like it's not getting the appreciation it deserves possibly because maybe people don't care about Bob Dylan enough to seek it out because that was me. I I'm not a Bob Dylan fan, but as a film fan, this movie is super important in my opinion. So um, I think that's the non-spoiler review. I, I, <laughs> Clearly, I'm like enthralled by it, if nothing else. And Corey uh, liked it, but also uh, was it's it's a little confusing with the the purposely confusing mm-hmm. um, to a degree. Uh, but also, like again, if you're not a Bob Dylan fan, you're not going to get who each of these six people are because none of them are called Bob or Dylan. So, Corey, give him the warning, guys. From here on out, we are going to talk about this movie in great detail. You have been warned. Which realistically we probably won't say too much, uh, but yeah, I felt like we said a lot. Um, I, I also I just said a whole bunch without saying any spoilers, but still I've said a lot. So, uh, what any, any moments in particular that stood out to you that you want to mention? My other thing that I know about Bob Dylan. Okay, also I think it's a, uh, I I liked how they pulled in a couple things without it being like obvious. I'm going to sound really ignorant right now, but I'm pretty sure that it's the cover of one of his albums that he's with a woman and they're kind of bundled together and they're walking down a street. To me, it looks like New York or something, but it's a very iconic photo. Like I've seen this photo. I've seen it. I'm, you know, I liked how that worked into the movie where he's, uh, was her name Sarah, his wife? they're walking and I'm like, Oh my God, this, this is that photo. You know what I mean? Um, so I think he's wearing like a brown leather jacket or something. And then the other thing that I know about him is how many of his fans he pissed off. I couldn't use another word that would, you know, emphasize that correctly when he went electric so those are the things that's all I that's all I know. I I have an issue with that. Um uh, I've I've had to listen to like people turn on bands all the time when they change style. <clears throat> and it bothers me because I as an artist want other artists to be able to Pro explore. 
right and not be do the same thing again because it gets boring it does um, i good oh i was gonna say that i did have an instance with like iron and wine i love iron and wine i love them so much but he like went off in a whole nother direction for one of his albums and i tried really hard guys it wasn't for me but i didn't and- talk badly about him Right, you don't have to like that album, but you no. still have the other albums that that you do like. And he came back. And those, and he, and if he comes back, great. If not, you don't have to ever like those other albums again. Like I really like the first two Incubus albums, Science, and I forget the second album's name. But after that, I don't really like most of their stuff. Like every once in a while, they'll do a song I like, but the I have not liked a full Incubus album since their second album. Yeah, but I'm okay with that because I don't one. I get I get the argument about selling out because that is there is this like. I don't know. Realistically, we live in a, in a culture where we have to sell out because we have to pay for stuff and we want to be financially secure. So I don't, I don't, as a almost 39 year old, I don't have the same opinion of sellouts as I did when I was like 20 and trying to make it as a musician myself. Um, but I don't inherently think someone changing style is a sellout. Like people, I think even have called Taylor Swift a sellout. It's like Taylor Swift was rich before she changed out. Like, you know what I mean? Like when she stopped just doing pure country, she already won a bunch of awards. Like her genre changes because she wanted to do different music. Dude. I like, I like the poppy T Swift. I like the poppy T Swift. Like, hi, sorry, you guys. I also don't like people that don't like things just because they're not popular or just because other people like them or they don't want to be grouped in with them. And it's like, if it's good, it's good. I don't like Katy Perry, but it's fine. Right. And again, everything's not for everybody and that's okay. Like it's okay that you don't like one of those things. Yeah. I can't imagine, especially like being in the game for so long like never changing your style, never breaking away from what people initially knew you for. Yeah, and you know, um, I I do I hope that a person is playing music that they want to play, and not just playing music that they think will get them more money. Because that I, you know, because I again, I want to encourage that. I also I'm not judging someone who is doing something because they are going to get money. Because I mean, we, we all have I to work, work, right? Yeah, yeah. Like those jobs. Sometimes we find a job that we we both make money and also feel passionate about. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, a job is a job. And if that's like, you know, as Bruce Willis is a person I talk about negatively a lot because he is he clearly doesn't like acting anymore, but it's his job, and so he keeps doing it. And unfortunately the movies that he puts out used to like if Bruce Willis was attached to something, I was like, cool, I'm going to go watch that. Now it's like, Oh no, another Bruce Willis movie. And every once in a while he'll surprise us and he'll be like, Oh no, he, he, he cared about this one apparently, but same time he's got to pay the bills and he gets a lot of money. I'm not, if I, if I was making the money that Bruce Willis is making, I'm going to keep making the movies. I don't care how bad they are because you keep paying me a million dollars. I'm going to keep doing this. Um, if you stop paying me, maybe I'll try harder or maybe I'll find a different job. But if you're willing to keep paying <laughs> or maybe me, maybe just retire. <laughs> right, but again, not, why? I mean, but he, people keep giving him more. But if they why stop, would you stop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if, if they you stop, stop yeah. sure, you could just retire. But um, so, yeah, I don't fault them for that. That said, that scene is pretty uh, it's pretty crazy seeing that. And uh, that's Jude's moment, right? Like yeah. Jude's constantly defending himself, and uh, it is played by Kate Blanchett expertly. Um, oh, she killed it. Oh, so good. Um, again, I feel like the mannerisms of Bob Dylan that I think of when I think of Bob Dylan, um, which is mostly from parodies of Bob Dylan, mind you. Like I don't know that I've really ever watched Bob Dylan do anything, uh, but I've seen him referenced in tons of stuff. Um, jude felt like that to me like i was like yeah 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 that's bob dylan but then it's not named bob so i didn't know yeah which again i think in hindsight i think it's brilliant when the movie first started i was like what the hell is happening i thought these were all supposed to be bob dylan and uh woody is played by a black actor named marcus carl franklin um and that really threw me off i'm like wait are they implying bob dylan was black like what what is what is this and then I realized again as the movie went on that it's not a direct one for one of Bob Dylan. Um, as in like, these are not supposed, that's why they're not named Bob because they're not playing Bob Dylan. They're playing an aspect 
of either his actual personality or the legend. And man, that's just, I know I've talked about it a lot. Just brilliant, though. I just think it's such a cool way to do this. Well, it's like there's that one scene, Richard Gere, I can't remember, Billy? What's he, Billy? Um, He's just Billy. Where he's like talking and was it his list of things you never do? Seven things you never do or something like that. Or seven things you have to do. Something. But it's like you have to look yourself in the face or something. And then we get that scene of him and Woody like face to face. Oh, yeah. You know, I thought that was that was cool. Um, I'm really interested in the soundtrack. See, I there were like musicians and artists that we just didn't listen to in my house growing up, or we only listened to with one of my parents. Like my dad hates Tom Petty, guys. I feel like, wow, you know what I mean. I feel like, you know, I know someone who hates the Beatles, and I feel like that tells you all you need to know about that person. But like, also Bob Dylan, <laughs> my dad did not like him. So I listen to Tom Petty with my mom because she loves him. But you know what I mean? I feel like when you grow up in a household like that, it's and also things were not as accessible then, you know, as they are now. But I'm going to give him a listen. And I'm really interested in the soundtrack because there are like covers in it and stuff, right? Uh, I don't know. I, I haven't looked at the soundtrack at all. I didn't like look into that before we started recording, but I just... I thought it was very interesting the way it was presented. I I am intrigued by this movie. Um, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia. It's also uh, their Wikipedia for this movie specifically is cool because they break it down by the characters and for like the plot um, and just kind of summarize the characters plot line because there are again, there are different um, but reflect on him. Um, it's very cool. Yeah, um, I got. I, there's nothing else specific I, I really want to reference. Um, apparently, though, that uh, Jacob Dylan's mother's name is actually Sarah. So I think the name of the the wife um, in the Robbie Clark sequence, if it is Sarah, um, I'm looking I'm trying Maybe to read. I was reading a whole lot too. I don't see the name. The name is not mentioned here. It literally just uses the uh, the pronoun she to refer to the woman they don't say her name um falls in love with french oh no there it is they call her claire so you must have got her real name okay um because i think uh it's she i think sarah in real life is a model but that is jacob's mother and since robbie clark in the film is the only one of the personalities who has a relationship and a child that we know of as that plays a major factor in that story arc i'm assuming that's supposed to be jacob and his siblings um, that we see like as well, a custody battle two daughters they probably yeah I, I i'm reading that as i was saying what i just said but yeah so again they it's not it's not a one for one right it doesn't yeah. have to be uh an exact yeah creation I, I feel like it i don't know i feel like if you it's hard to like pull the truth out of this if you don't already know but he that does have like fair point. 27 children really at six so maybe well hmm. well you only see a little window with them too and I, yeah. I i'm sure he's remarried um several times so I, I don't know if all six kids are from the same how did we not talk about michelle williams where was she she was is her name coco isn't that michelle williams i didn't recognize her I, I clearly didn't. I I remember that she was supposed to be in this, but I don't remember seeing her. I didn't recognize her until the part where, and we see her two or three times before this. The part where which I, person is she with? Um, she has a relationship with. Oh, I think it's Rob. No, 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 no. So the, the part that I'm I recognized her was with Jude at the at the factory okay. what i'm thinking was a factory she's like the mod girl with the blonde hair that has the boyfriend that they're like talking to jude okay. and jude like shoots them down and she goes stomping down the stairs okay but it took me seeing her like that many times before i recognized you know yeah 
so she bounces around through okay. um other people like the other characters or is she only in the the Kate Blanchett sequence oh I don't know I remember that one of the scenes that she is in is where uh, right before she's supposed to be interviewed I think in the car or he's supposed to be interviewed in the car by that like journalist that doesn't hold his tongue and I'm pretty sure that's her like walking around on the like the grass and stuff in that park yeah, it says on the Wikipedia page that they believe Coco is inspired by um, real-life person Edie, Edie Sedgwick. Sedgwick. Oh, yeah. so that's how, okay. Which was Andy Warhol's circle. She so. died at 28 of a barbiturate overdose, I learned. Last night while I was So, yeah, reading. interesting stuff. Um it's. I think what you just said is really important. A few minutes ago, I guess you said uh, that this film is not a place, if you know nothing about Bob Dylan, to come to learn about Bob Dylan. However, it's clearly a really great starting point because it will make you want You're to like, read a lot about what? Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah, it's like my mind was just firing last night. Yeah, after I watched it, I was just like, I, I, need, I need someone to explain to me what I just watched. And also picking out the truth that's what you read well picking it would be hard to come into this with no knowledge and picking out what's actually truth yes yes because not all of it is it's that's the myth part of it right and that i think that is there's um the essay i i have referenced um brings up the idea that part of what he's doing also is criticizing the hollywood biopic because it claims to be the true story but it's never the true story right it's a story it's a version of the story you know, just inherently, when biopics are depicting someone's youth, no one was documenting it because they weren't famous yet, right? Like, it's not until years later or we're we're using their journal or we're using interviews 20 years later when people feel like a sense of obligation to tell the happy story versus the sad story or the other thing. They're bitter, so they tell the negative story. There's always going to be shades of gray in a biopic but hollywood sells it to us as though it's the true story the unauthorized true story you know like and this movie's kind of like yeah yeah sure this is bob dylan's story good luck figuring out what's real and what's not you know also it's a very good movie if you like to read and learn things though um but also like most biopics it's like you get them now and then maybe you'll get like some flashbacks and it's really easy to like follow but in this it's just like all interwoven they're like meeting each other we don't know where we are we're like back and forth mm-hmm. I don't know. yeah it's a it, uh, it, narrative structure because again we are getting six different narratives and each has its own little arc some are more impactful than others i think ben wishaw's is the most straightforward because there isn't really an arc per se but the other one's um vary in how long we're with them you know like uh i think there's like a 20 year span with christian bale's take and Kate blanchett's feels like it's all within a couple of years but it also moves to a lot of different sets like we're all over the place with her with uh her character um same thing ledger's character spans several years because there's the kids grow up and he loses there's a custody battle um and then billy the, the the billy character is like one day or two days it seems like to me by comparison and none of that's accurate listeners i'm just ballparking but um but so like yeah but to your point we're not going all of one character to the, the next we're, we're jumping back and forth between all six characters at various points in their story and so it is it's very much like a ensemble movie almost like a crash or um I mean, that's the one that came to mind. Mad, 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 mad world where you have like eight characters all going after the same thing kind of thing where you're just jumping back and forth uh, rapidly um, with not necessarily a sense of when or why at first. I think it does. By the end, I think you kind of grasp what's going on. But um, but yeah, definitely uh, it, it just it's a really challenging movie in, a, in the best way possible. Uh, this type of thing. It, it Look, it sparked us to do so much research and, and read about it. And um just to try to kind of parse what he's done. I, I love stuff like that because I think the movie's entertaining without doing what we've done. So like, I don't think it requires you to do the research, but if you want to learn about Bob Dylan from this movie, then you got to do the research. And 
and see what the the filmmaker was doing to tell you a story of Bob Dylan. Um, so I say must see film for me, Corey. What do you think? I was gonna rate it lower, but here we did it again. We talked about it, and I'm gonna say must see film also. It, it's to me, I, I'm just so blown away by it. It's one I can't teach this one in its entirety. I don't think I can't remember to be honest if there's nudity. I feel like there is one sex scene in yeah, the movie. Yeah, there's definitely. Uh, um some boobs yeah uh but it's it's very it's i still won't teach it but it's 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 not a explicit it's explicit and yet not like because it's it's framed in such a close-up and you're not he never like focuses on her like sexually it's just like it's happening and it's there um but uh it's definitely a film i want to reference um because it's just it's such an interesting idea for a biopic um if you, we'd love to hear what you thought about this movie or any of our biopic um, movies from this month. Uh, you can reach out to us on social media. I'm at Burke Reviews. Uh, Corey? At Corey, our star, two hours on the end. And because this is the last episode of July and the last episode for the theme of biopics, I have to talk about August. We are coming in with a, uh, a, a theme we've used before called Stream With Me. Um, I think we've called it different things over the years, but we've done this one before. And these are movies that are currently streaming on a streaming service. So there's a lot. But remember, the general premise of Movie Club is that one of us has to have never seen the movie that we're watching or at least not seen it in a reasonable amount of time. So like as adults, we have not seen it um, for all four movies. I think neither of us have seen them. Uh, we're going to be watching in August, Akja, the Bong Joon-ho film that's on Netflix, uh, Vicious Fun, which is on Shudder. Um, Corey picked that one, if that's not obvious. Um, Moxie, the Amy Poehler-directed film um, on Netflix. And then The City of the Dead, which is also on Shudder. So that is our um, month of August. Again, Stream With Me is what we're calling it. Um, and it's supposed to be said like uh, Aerosmith's song, uh, you know, Dream With Me. You know, Dream With Me. It's like, Stream With Me. And um, sorry, I can't hit the uh, the highs there. Um but that's what we're going to be doing for August uh, 2021. We'd love to hear your thoughts again. You can hit us up on the social media. If you like what we're doing here at Movie Club, we ask that you take just a few moments and give us that five-star rating. It helps other people find the podcast. In the meantime, keep watching movies. Hey, this is Matt from What I Watched Tonight. Come join me in the back row for movie discussion, retrospective episodes with guests, director-focused shows, end-of-year rankings, start-of-the-year predictions, and much, much more. There's more going on in the back row than you might think. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs>